Okay. You were in Seattle. Welcome back. Yeah. Uh, this is Chad. Uh, Chad's real name is Chadwick Samuel. And uh, uh, let me introduce him properly. Eh? So, like, he's actually Dr. Chadwick Samuel. Um, and he runs a... Sorry? He runs a church uh, of about... 30,000 people um, and uh, in Chennai. It's one of the largest churches in India. Um, he's 11 years younger than me, in some areas smarter. And uh, last time he came here was 2019, and he was about 20 pounds more than he is right now. He's on a keto diet, which I don't recommend at all. Um, and so if you take him out, know that it's going to be really difficult. And... Uh, Anything else? Yeah, he's staying with me, so pray for me. So, I, I really wanted to do this properly, but I just couldn't make it. So, so let, me, let me introduce, I've introduced him now. Let me introduce the topic and then I'll let him um, do what he wants to. Hey, at least you get an intro. When I come to your church, you don't even introduce me. Okay, so um, the topic for the next three nights is Perez. Uh, if you go to Genesis 38, Genesis 38. Hey, do you want this mic or do you want this mic? Hold. Okay. Genesis 38, verse um, 27, 28. 29 and 30. Genesis 38. So that's kind of where we'll be stuck for the next three days. Uh, it says in Genesis 38, verse 27 onwards, when the time of her labor came, there were twins in her womb. And when she was in labor, one put out a hand, and the midwife took and tied a scarlet thread on his hand, saying, this one came out first. But as he drew back his hand, behold, his brother came out, and she said, what a breach you have made for yourself. Therefore, his name was called Perez. Afterwards, his brother came out with a scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was called Zerah. Let me read it from the message. Um, verse 27, chapter 38, Genesis. When her time came to give birth, it turned out that there were twins in her womb. As she was giving birth, one put his hand out. The midwife tied a red thread on his hand, saying, this one came first. But then he pulled it back, and his brother came out. She said, oh, a breakout. So she named him Perez, breakout. Then his brother came out with a red thread on his hand. They named him Zerah, which means bright. Another version. Uh, when the time came for Tamar to give birth, it was discovered that she was carrying twins. While she was in labor, one of the babies reached out his hand. The midwife grabbed it, tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing, this one came out first. But then he pulled back his hand and out came his brother. What? The midwife exclaimed, how did you break out first? So he was named Perez. When the baby with the scarlet string on his wrist was born, he was named Zerah. So that's what we'll be talking about, Perez breaking out. But today, we'll be talking about Perez bouncing back. And then tomorrow, we'll talk about Perez breaking out. And then day after, we'll talk about Perez We don't know yet. So, so this we are sure of. This is very likely. This we don't know yet. And uh, yeah, let's go. Do you need this board there? Okay. Okay. Hey, um, Brandon, are we live streaming this? Good evening. Hey, so glad to be back in this house and uh, so sick of uh, being only on Zoom calls with so many of you for several, several times now. But to be on live face-to-face -face with you all is such a 
blessing. Amen. And you exactly know who to pray for as I'm staying with Jacob. You all know so. So I, I know that you've been with Jacob, that you know that you need to pray for me. Good. Well, we're going to talk about hey, bouncing back. Because even before we break out, and really have a breakthrough in our lives. Sometimes we are so down and under. First and foremost, we got to bounce back to even normal levels. Because the bar has to be reached out because it's gone so low. It's, you're so down, you're down and dusted. Sometimes depressed, sometimes discouraged. Sometimes so caught up with sins. So caught up with such struggles that you feel like you are, you're caught in that same sin again and again. And that's a habit. That's a habitual sin that you're part of. And it drags you down and you do not know how to come back. And today I just want to talk about, hey, first and foremost, bounce back from your setbacks in life. Because certain things have set you back. Certain... Because you're not holding it anyway now. No, I, 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 I was worried that with, with the microphone still with Jacob, you do not know when he would speak in between. And so, so it's better to take the microphone off his mouth. Not that funny, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the smile off your face? <laughs> so we're going to talk about bouncing back. And I want to take the scriptures from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 onwards. And so there's a series of scriptures that we're going to display up there and we're going to read it out. Is that okay? Romans chapter 8, verse 26 onwards. And um, let's read the next. Just go up there. Romans 8 and 26 onwards. We can keep sliding that up if you want, the PDF. Okay. Okay. Is that okay? Let's go. Can we all read together? Romans eight twenty six to twenty eight. Everyone together. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And that's that's the most important thing that I want you to capture this day, because we cannot have our Paris without the Spirit. Without, we cannot really bounce out of our setbacks without the Spirit because this Spirit has been sent to us as a church to help us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans because after we have prayed everything that we need to be praying and we are not able to have that bounce back or we are not able to have that breakthrough or we are not able to have that perish in our lives, God, the Holy Spirit, he comes within us and he is the one who helps us in our weaknesses and when we do not know what to speak or what do we pray because we have prayed everything that we needed to pray and we have knocked every door that needed to be knocked, the Spirit begins to speak and He begins to pray the will of God over our lives because the Spirit knows 
exactly what he needs to be praying over your life. Because the Spirit knows your past, the Spirit knows your present, the Spirit knows your future, Spirit knows where we are going as a church together, where you as a family need to be going, where you as an individual need to be moving. And therefore the Spirit begins to actually open up doors. Sometimes we keep knocking on doors that we should be no shouldn't be knocking because those doors are closed doors and we keep knocking we keep kicking we keep bashing around the door but he opens our eyes to see the open door that he set before us he's the one who's helping us and romans chapter 8 and verse 28 and everyone must keep memorizing this verse and we know that all things can we do this together we know that all things work together for good for those who love him all things work together and yet another passage and yet another verse that we need to know the next next slide please chapter 8 and verse 20 is it can we go to the next slide? Okay. 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for us. Can we say this together? If God be for us, who can be against us? No, in all these things, we are more than what? Conquerors through Him who loved us. That's what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. That's what He wants to do at Acts 29 this season. As you wind up this building and you move out of this place, God is saying, I want to give you a breakthrough in your life. I want to actually bounce you back. It doesn't matter how far you are down and dusted and you feel like you are in a pit. His hand is not shortened. That his hand can actually reach down to you and pick you up. And sometimes it's about you lifting up your hands. It's about you collaborating with him. Because sometimes what is the gesture or what is the act that we've been doing is that we've tied our hands down. And we are waiting. We are really expecting him to do something. Yes, he is going beyond. Whether you are reaching out your hands or not, he goes down and he continues to lift you up. But how nice it would be for Acts 29. How nice it would be for individuals. How nice it would be for families together to just put a little effort to lift up your hands. Because there is a hand that is reaching down from heaven. If you would just lift up your hands and hold on to him, he will pull you out of the difficulty. Some of you have been going through some discouragements in your life. And you've not even been opening it up because you're so disappointed. Sometimes you're disappointed with leadership. You're disappointed with some people in the church. You're disappointed with certain things that are happening that you feel like, man, I don't want to. God is saying, don't do that. Cooperate with me. Lift up your hands because I have reached down to you. And the first thing that you and I need to do as we, as God helps us bounce back, is that we would have what is called as deep remorse and repentance. Deep remorse and repentance. The challenge with the 21st century church is that we have not been able to have deep remorse for the sins of our life. Yes, we believe that His grace is sufficient, true. We believe in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, true. It is absolutely true. The moment we ask Him, Jesus, forgive me, He forgives. But we have not taken the time to understand that we hurt him. Every time you and I sin, we hurt the one who truly loves us. I want you to go down to a statement that I've put together. I want you to process that statement together. Can we, can we just go down a few more? 21st century, let's go down, let's go on, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more, yeah, that. The greatest flaw of the 21st century Christianity is that we have developed a casual attitude towards repentance. 
that makes the grace of God cheap. This is one of the reasons why we fall back into sins again and again. It is time for deep remorse. Yet balance it out with the help of the Spirit to not let the guilt of our sins that Satan brings rule over us. Deep remorse is not to experience guilt, no. Guilt is what Satan brings and it condemns us. Guilt is, oh, I've done this and I'm, oh, unto me, I'm, I'm gone, I'm destroyed. God is going to punish me. Deep remorse is like Samson crying out to God in between those two pillars and saying, God, remember me. Yes, I've failed you, but remember me. Remember me. Please help me. It's like David crying out to God and saying, Against thee have I sinned, O God, done things that are evil in your sight, created me a clean heart, for my heart is not right, O God, for you desire truth in the innermost parts of my life. Deep remorse is running to God. Guilt is running away from God. Deep remorse is holding on to God and saying, God, I'm so sorry and I'm so frustrated with my life that I keep doing the same things again and again. Because somehow, somewhere within the 21st century church, we have come to a place where we have taken this grace to be so casual. Because he forgives us. Grace available is not grace that is cheap. I cannot demand grace. He gives it freely. But I plead for his grace. He grants it in abundance. But I don't make his grace cheap. The secret of bouncing back. For some of you seated here this evening. Is that you would take some time. To identify those habitual sins that is plaguing you. That is not allowing you to have a peres in your life. 2019, 2020, 21, 22, 23, 24. Oh, five years. These last five years you continue on. And you analyze and see there's the same thing that you fall. Man, two, three months you're okay. And then again. Then again. It's the same old thing. Certain people, it's the same old thing for the 10 years. Certain people, same old thing for the past 20 years. You have not had a breakthrough. If you don't have a breakthrough, your next generation is not going to have a breakthrough. If you don't have a breakthrough, this church is not going to have a breakthrough. You know why? Because Acts 29 is not some Jacob here. Acts 29 is not just a few people here. Acts 29 is all of us together. And therefore, if you don't have a breakthrough, if you don't have the Paris, this church is not having a Paris. You've got to bounce back. And if you've got to bounce back, that means certain aspects of your life needs to be settled and pinned on tonight. And it's done and dusted. It's gone. It's over. Let there be a new sin that we commit. Not that old one. It's too boring committing the same old sin. Because you're getting frustrated. And God is saying, I've given you grace and abundance. You are a conqueror. Turn to someone and say, you're a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. Bounce back, guys. Bounce. Bounce back. Amen. Are you listening? Are you getting it? Are you getting it? Identify those flaws. Go to Him. Settle it. Settle it once and for all. I know we are sinners. I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect this night. But that same old plaguing thing must stop tonight. 
if we have to have a breakthrough. That's when confidence rises up within you. That's when you have the boldness to actually approach his throne room, oh, his throne room of grace boldly and ask him certain things because this next season is about this entire church. I know Jacob has been asking for certain things. Certain leaders have been asking for certain things. But what this Perez is going to be for this church is that the entire church is asking for nations. Amen? Are you listening? Are you listening? Christians ask for things. Sons. Sons and daughters ask for nations. Paris is about a breakthrough for nations. Paris is about cities in North America. Paris is about Europe just buckling under the power of the living God because Acts 29 is asking for certain nations in Europe. Oh, Paris is about asking for the wealth of this world, this wicked world, to be transferred into the kingdom so that the kingdom of God will advance. Paris is not about we really being stuck in the old. There must be a big, big breakthrough. And you know why? The Spirit says, the same old things that you get stuck with regards to sins that does not allow this church to ask certain things boldly. You're going to ask. Secondly, we got to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Yes, first year of coming into this church, you could actually ask someone else to encourage you. Second is fine. A third is fine. But after several years of being here, you still are looking for someone to encourage you. It's not wrong. It's not wrong to expect someone to encourage you. But the Spirit of God says that there is coming a season when you can't expect. Someone else to come around you and encourage you. You and I need to learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Are you listening? How do you bounce back? You bounce back because you are able to encourage yourself in the Lord. First Samuel in chapter 30 and David is now here in Ziglag. All of the possessions is gone. All of his wives and all of his sons and daughters have been taken away. And I catch up with verse 4 of uh, 1 Samuel and chapter 30. And if you really slide down, no, 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 go, go forward, go forward. Yes, yes, right there. And verse 4, then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Yes, and David was so greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's something that you and I need to learn. One of the things that the Spirit has been teaching me is like, hey, when you are really burdened, you're really heavy laden. You need to actually stop looking for somebody else to come and say some good works to encourage you. It's good words to encourage you. True. There are times that you can reach out to some people, but God intentionally does not allow certain people who have helped you in the past inside this church. They would be too busy and they would continue. Sometimes it, it's not that they ignore you. It's that God, the Spirit, actually causes them not to pay attention to you. Why? Because He wants to bring you to a place of Paris. He wants to bring you to a place of breakthroughs. Oh, He wants to bring you to a place of bouncing back. And this bouncing back needs to happen not dependent on somebody else. But you yourself are able to come into the presence of God and you're able to encourage yourself in the Lord. Where you're able to come into His presence and say, Jesus, thank you for all things work together for good for those who love Him. Oh, I'm more than a conqueror. If God be for me, 
who can be against me? Hey, even the mountains be removed and the earth will be gone. Oh, his everlasting kindness is more than enough for me. Yes, he said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Even though your father and your mother have forsaken you. Oh, Jesus, you are not going to forsake me. After speaking those words and you feel like man still that heavy burden is still pressing you and that's when you actually begin to and I do not know what I'm speaking I do not know what it doesn't mean anything to me but my father who hears those things of the spirit who groans and he speaks the will of the father and his presence comes down and the atmosphere changes and I go to my bed. Because I have learned not to go to bed with heavy burdens. Because it doesn't allow me to sleep. So I go out and I settle. I come sleep. Sometimes when I get up in the morning, I'm so light. Learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. If you don't do that, the seasons are coming because you got into a habit of somehow someone actually reaching out to you from this church because everyone's going to be busy doing what the Lord is going to do through them outside of this church. That you would feel like you're left alone if you don't know how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Are you listening? Thirdly, you and I, if we have to bounce back, you and I need a touch from heaven. A touch from heaven. And words of direction from heaven. A touch from heaven and words of direction from heaven. Elijah, 1 Kings in chapter 19. He is actually in a very, very depressed state. And, and Jezebel has declared, I'm going to kill you. And, and he is going and sitting under a juniper tree or a brown tree and a broom tree. And he is actually saying, hey, this, is, this, is, this is what is called a spiritual suicide. Because you know that if you commit suicide, it's not right. And you know all the knowledge of God's word. And you go and actually say, Lord, you take me. Lord, you take me. That's spiritual suicide. Because he wants to come and say, God, God you take me. Because I know I can't take myself out. So you take me. And, I, and, and God is someone who's a giver of life. He's not a taker of life. Amen. And therefore, he's not going to take your life. Those prayers, stop those prayers. Stop those prayers of saying, God, take, take me away. It's enough. Stop those prayers because those prayers are meaningless, useless. And some of you here are praying those prayers. And I'm saying, stop it in Jesus' name. Because whenever you're depressed, whenever you go through tough times, you're saying, I want to give up. No, don't give up. Yeah. That's what Elijah was doing. Especially when they are discouraged and depressed. This, these are three things that usually people do when they are discouraged and depressed. Number one, either they eat a lot or they shut down everything and sleep a lot or they do what is called as binge watching now. Thank God Elijah didn't have Netflix to, to keep watching. And I, and, and I heard recently from someone that actually Netflix asks people in between, hey, are you still there? Are you still there? Because people just put on the television and, and they are like gone on their, on their sofa sets that the, that the television begins to speak to you and say, hey, are you still there? Okay? But... <laughs> you know. And so... Well, what happened with Elijah is that the angel of God came and he touched Elijah. He touched Elijah. And he said, get up. And he gave food from heaven. And this is what you and I need to experience. When we are going through depression and discouragement. Because the times and seasons are coming when there is absolutely no time to waste with depression and discouragement. This depression and discouragement must leave our lives. 
That's a lot of waste of time with discouragement and depression. It's a waste of time because there's nothing that is added to us. By our worrying, we don't add anything to our lives. We don't subtract anything from our lives because we worry. What can change that is a touch from heaven. We process, and many of times we process God only rationally. It's time that we process God not just rationally, but we process God emotionally. We want to have those goosebumps moments too. Where you feel God. Just not that you know God, but you feel Him in your room. You feel Him while He wakes you up in the middle of the night and you sit up and you know it's God. Yeah. It's time that we experience His embrace. It's time that we actually process Him. That's the reason why when he spoke to Israel, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. This triune God is this one God, but you shall love the Lord thy God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength. That means, hey, it's not just rationally you process God. Yes, without, without your rational, you would have a crisis of your faith. And therefore, we need our rational. We need to know why I believe this God. True. But we need to go beyond our rationality into processing God emotional. Where we know He is here. Where this relationship is truly dynamic. Where this relationship is that He gives. There are many times in my life that He would actually speak next steps. And that next steps solves the matter of the present. I don't even care what crisis I'm going through at presently because I know the next steps. Because I'll just leave what the crisis is and I'll start focusing on the next steps. Father, I know that I need to appoint Jehu because Jehu will take care of Jezebel. I know that I need to appoint a Father Elisha because the next generation of a double portion of an anointing is coming and therefore it doesn't matter what happens to me. I would begin to focus on the others and then the Spirit of God begins to speak into Elijah's life and says, Elijah, you know what you're saying? You're the only one. You're the only one. You're the only one. Stop saying that for I have 7,000 others and he opens your eyes to see that there are many in the kingdom of God that God is raising up and he's fighting the battles and he is a God of success he is a conqueror he is more than a conqueror and he wants you and I to be a conqueror therefore deep remorse helps us bounce back encouraging ourselves in the Lord Having a touch from heaven. Fourthly, we need a community. While well, I said, you don't need anyone for your encouragement. I'm saying you need a community to bounce back. And it may not be a source of encouragement. It's eating together. It's meeting together. It's not even about praying. It's, it's, it's sometimes just having meals together. You know there is magic in the meals. And God ordained the supper or the Lord's table for, for us to have this community and where He comes, His presence. And that's why He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, who is there? He is there. Paul writes to Philemon because there is a runaway slave. Onesimus has left and Paul says, you know what? Bring Onesimus back to the household. Sometimes we think that Philemon is, 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 a, is, a, is a letter written to, uh, to Philemon. It's not a letter written to Philemon. It's written to the church. If you take, he was writing to Philemon. He's writing to Archippus. He's writing to Apia. And he's writing to the church that meets together in your home. And he says to Philemon and to the church, Church, take back. Onesimus, because he needs a community. I know he's a failure. He's failed Philemon. Maybe he couldn't sustain as a slave, but he needs a family. And don't be alone. Don't be alone. 
be together. The greatest challenge is isolation. Somehow, some way, Satan wants to isolate you. He would bring offense. He would somehow bring offense and isolate you. That's his strategy. I do not know about your textbooks in Canada, but in India, while I studied my fourth grade, I remember uh, in my textbook an uh, entire lesson that is about look at the pictures and write the story. And this story is about a herd of cows actually grazing together. And you see a tree and a lion actually waiting to pounce upon the cows. But as long as the cows stayed together, the lion would not be able to do anything. But there would be one cow that thought it had better pastures somewhere else. And it isolated itself away from the herd of cows. And it got isolated a little bit. The next picture, the third picture would be the lion pouncing on that particular cow that is isolated. Isolation is the only way by which Satan would devour you. Stay together as a community. Do not leave offense. Don't be offended. Time to get out of your offense. Because Paris is coming. Breakthroughs are coming. That we can't, we can't allow offense. Stick together as community. You need a community. Community is not perfect. Your community is not perfect. You know what? I keep telling the church back home, the church was much better before I joined it. Me. <laughs> Me. Because I brought all my flaws into that church. It got corrupted. I, I doubted that. They came. So, I, I, that, 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 that would have been the best. Yeah. Because I can't imagine you telling them that because of me. Yeah. That's not you. Community. Stick together. Stay united. There was a father who brought four sons and gave each of them a stick in their hands and said, can you break it? They just broke it. But then he brought four more sticks and then put them together and tied them together and gave four sticks to each of the sons and they tried. Breakthroughs comes because you guys are not broken. Paris comes because you guys are not broken. There can't be, we can't afford. Acts 29 in Vancouver can't afford fractures. Can't afford cracks. We got to stay together. We need to be a community. Fifthly and finally, you need mentors. John Mark, Paul declares him a quitter. Paul declares him a person who, who, who just ditched them. And he says, I can't take John Mark with us. But Barnabas said, no. Barnabas' sister's son. He said, no. But I'm going to stick around with John Mark. That in 2 Timothy and chapter 4, I think it's verse 6 or verse 11, uh, Paul, after several years, is telling Timothy, his son, only Luke is with me, get this John Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. And we need Pauls. We need Pauls who would focus on the task and we need Pauls who need to really keep running and doing what needs to be done because if they wait for the John Marks, it's going to be difficult because the task is ahead of them. <coughs> and Pauls need to really pursue the task ahead of them, the nations that are set before them. But we need Barnabas too in the kingdom. 
Barnabas's too in the church who would not give up on the John Mark. But listen, there are some of you who are really waiting only for Jacob to mentor you. It's not helpful because Jacob needs to focus on what needs to be focused in the times of Paris that is coming. But we need Barnabases in the church who would rise up. And Barnabases are there in this church. But the problem is that John Marks are still looking for validation from Paul's. And the moment you still are looking only Paul to mentor you, you always feel there's nobody for you. There's no mentor for you. There's no father for you. But God is raising up enough Barnabases. Barnabases may not be charismatic. Barnabases may not have prophetic words always over your life. Barnabases may not be the person who will actually always have something spectacular that you can look up to. Oh, Barnabases would be ordinary people. Barnabases would be Casual people. Barnabases would be people who may not speak much. Or Barnabases may not even prophesy over your life. But you need Barnabases. Because Barnabases would turn your uselessness into usefulness for Paul's. Barnabases will turn your uselessness into useless usefulness for Paul's. Or take your eyes off Paul. Put your eyes on the Barnabases that God is raising up within this church. They may be women, they may be men, they may be younger to you, but God is raising them up. Five things that I've shared with regards to bouncing back. I don't have 25 things like Jacob usually have. I just have five. The joy of the Lord, it's okay. A deep remorse and repentance, strengthening ourselves in the Lord, receiving a touch and a still small voice from heaven on the next steps of your life part of a relational church family, a mentor for life. These are five important things that Acts 29 needs to embrace in order to have a breakthrough. Are you ready? Are you guys ready for a breakthrough? Are you, are you getting it? Do you have some questions to ask? Is that okay, Jacob, to allow questions? Yes. Maybe I need to explain how to do that. Um, it's not difficult because what happens with sins and habitual sins is that we toggle between two extremes which are not right. One is we feel guilty or we have committed that sin so many times that our conscience is seared. We don't even feel bad about doing what we do. These two states are wrong because it is basically focusing on ourselves. If it's guilt, we focus on ourselves and say we are. It, it hits our value, it hits who we are in Christ, it hits all of those, those negatively. On the other hand, to have a seared conscience is the worst because now you don't even feel bad for what you've done because it's so casual and so usual. So these two states is about focus on yourself. But deep remorse is not focus on you, but focus on God. 
God, you are strong enough to help me. You have overcome and you will help me. So it's the whole shift of deep remorse is remember me, Lord. It becomes more about him and focus on him. The issue with habitual sins is that not, we, have, we don't really give. Because we, 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 we go to him and we ask sorry immediately. But we really don't think about why we ask sorry. We really don't think that we should not do this again in our lives. And therefore deep remorse is about internalizing and saying what are the ways by which I can actually avoid this habitual sin of my life. Which means like you are sitting down and saying, and, and there, are, there are times actually I have sat down and saying, what is actually leading me to this particular sin? And I've identified certain patterns in my life. Especially when I've had a high in ministry or I've finished a, a large meeting and it's been a grand success. Healings are happening. Prophetic words are true. And you've finished those things and you come back from a, a successful meeting. I've seen, I've slipped down in particular sins of my life. I've seen certain times when I'm really tired. And so I am beginning to identify patterns that lead to this particular sin of my life. And therefore, what is deep remorse? Deep remorse is identifying patterns and the moment. So, so I'm now, when things are happening and I'm becoming tired and tired. And I know by now, hey, if I'm not, taking care of my tiredness, I'm going to slip into certain things of my life. And therefore, deep remorse is identifying patterns in your life that leads you to sin. And deep remorse is actually sitting down and working with God on identifying the doors of escape. Because there is no temptation that comes to you that you would be, not be able to overcome. Because God is not going to let a temptation that you will not be able to overcome. So if he is allowing a, a particular temptation, he is not the originator of the temptation. He is not the origin of that temptation. But he would allow without protecting you because he knows that you are able, by his strength, you are able to overcome. And therefore, he says that there is a door of escape and you need to identify that door of escape to escape that sin. Temptation is not wrong. But succumbing to it and falling into it is the, is, is, is the flaw, is the sin. And therefore to identify the doors of escape that God would actually have for your life and escape. And therefore there are times that actually I don't let myself to be alone when I am very tired. I pull myself to company. I pull myself to family. Are you getting the understanding of deep remorse? Is that helpful? Thank you. Thank you. And I think sometimes deep remorse is not possible without an emotional relationship with God. So, sometimes deep remorse is not possible without a deep emotional relationship with God. Because, uh, just deliberately doing it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. No, uh, I don't think it's possible to have deep remorse without an emotional relationship with God. A rational relationship sometimes does not allow deep remorse. Um, grief and grieving God must be real before I can even begin to fathom uh, what it is to hurt someone. It hurts to hurt the one you love. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's that. Uh, what I've learned in this process is that he loves you so much and you love him so much. And it really hurts. It hurts me to hurt the one I love. Because if you don't really have that love for him, it doesn't hurt you. 
Because every time you sin, it hurts him. And so it begins to hurt me because I hurt him. And the moment I begin to realize, it truly hurts to hurt the one I love. Which this is, is Chadwick Mohan, no? This is Chadwick Mohan's statement. No, but I made it before you. I made it before you, you. okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because uh, at the end of the day, the fear of the fear of the Lord in the New Testament church is the dread of offending or grieving the one you love. That is the fear of the Lord. I said that about three years ago. Yeah. So yeah, not, not this weird, this weird. This is nice. I think mine, mine is a tweet. Okay. Okay. So, so on one hand, there's that. And then the other thing is, um, it is not possible to have deep remorse unless I know how deeply it matters to him. Uh, part of the reason I don't think lying is a big deal is, or exaggerating or white lies is a big deal is because I don't think he should be too bothered about that. But for him who calls himself the truth, falsehood is like unbearable. He has never entered into touched, flirted with falsehood. So when his beloved son, me, begins to flirt with it, it does affect him. And so one of the things that prevents me from deep remorse is I don't really know how much certain things matter to him. And the more I become aware of how much it matters to him, the more you guard it like treasure. So there are things that matter to him. I've got to make sure in those areas I do, do what is required so that he doesn't grieve. But in other things I know it doesn't matter. So these are the reasons why there's no deep remorse. Anything else? Yes. Number one, it's about the process. It's not about, it's, it's, um, it's about feeling, it's not a checklist. It's a process that you begin when you cling to God and until there's a change, basically. It, it, it's, uh, it's something that you have to begin. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. Uh, people know when to finish and when to stop. It's just, you know, it's like, it's, you're constantly, like, it's your constant. Yeah. It is, it is a constant process, true. But they're, they're, the, that's why I said um, hey, we got to get rid of certain old ones. It's okay to sin new sins. <laughs> when I say it's okay, you know, we got to deal with, it, with certain things that is plaguing us for, to get rid of, get rid and be absolutely pure and perfect is a whole process. But this plaguing of the same old is, is a nagging issue that's been for long, that needs to be dealt with. If we have to have even anything to do with Paris, we gotta settle this old quickly. It's enough. That's the that's the that's the um force with which or vehemently we need to really address these issues. Because that maybe after you address, this is what I've discovered, after you address a particular issue in life, then you see, hey, there are others. Because this sin is so huge and it stands before you. And until this big one is removed, you don't see, identify the smaller ones that are plaguing you. Because this is huge.